Welcome to this episode of the Supply and Demand Podcast. I'm Mike Orlando, hosting by myself today for this special feature on science and technology policy. For this episode, I'll be discussing vaccine production and the potential challenges and lessons learned in the development of a vaccine. How is it that pharmaceutical companies deliver on vastly different variations and demands for their products? How do they do so in the COVID era, where the situation requires innovative procedural changes without compromising on production quality or safety and at an unprecedented demand? I'll be discussing these challenges and others with someone directly involved in the process. He's also family. I want to save as much of our limited time as possible for his perspective to spark our discussion this week, so we'll get right to it. Here's my uncle, John Dorsey, drug product process engineer for Sanofi, a leading multinational pharmaceutical company, and one of only a handful of companies commissioned in Operation Warp Speed, the public-private partnership to facilitate the development and distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine to the United States. So my name is John Dorsey. I'm the drug product uh, process engineer uh, for Sanofi Pasteur up in Swiftwater, Pennsylvania. My responsibilities are basically to be the transition group um, of engineers that will talk to our true engineers with our scientists and our operators. So a lot of times they don't speak the same language. Uh, they, the, the engineers have a very distinct way of how to work with equipment and, and what they can specific, specify that out for. And the operators can simply know they need this machine to do something. But scientists are on another level where they just, they have their product, they understand the, the products, uh, but they don't know the processes on how to get it to production. So we are that, that middle point person that, that has to understand all of that and be able to talk to all, all three of these groups. In discussing his role as a kind of intermediary between the scientists and engineers, a recurrent theme throughout our conversation quickly became how John works to implement new and improved technology into the production process, as well as proving its efficacy. As he explains, this transition is not always easy, as each manufacturing process is highly specific. However, Lessons learned from the past go a long way in providing a framework that could accelerate the development process of a new product. One of the bigger challenges with new technologies is it's not tested. Um, these older things have stood the test of time, have shown their repeatability. Um, you don't have that opportunity. Um, however, if, it, if you're, you're, we have better science, then you, you know that your results are, are getting more and more accurate. So you, you'll have a truer understanding of what the product looks like. But when it comes to the compliance piece and that validation, yeah. now you, you can't release anything because it doesn't meet, meet the requirements. So um, definitely, definitely a trick. Uh, and also the reliability of the, the physical equipment. It, like, again, we know that these, these plates with these gels can last forever. I right? say so it's very manual. It's, it's a procedure that there's no breakdown. Okay, that goes on. These newer machines, uh, when you're trying to read something, what happens when the the, the laser burn, burns out after three months? You know, and then you got then your process stops. You got to call a vendor to come in and, and and work and fix the equipment because you don't have that laser technology, right? If you you, you buy that up, yeah. How reliable is the vendor? Another question. Like, so is that like yeah? It, will the vendor come out when you call them? Right? You 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 got six lots of of material that are uh, um, a pandemic that you need to release. And it's, it's not coming. Yeah, the vendor said, oh, I'll be there in six months. Like, no, no, you got to be here yeah, within a reasonable time frame. So if I could jump in right there. How, yeah. So how many, how many different, um, how many different uh, vaccines do you work on personally, like in tandem? And then how, <laughs> how different are the processes for manufacturing kind of between those as okay. you're going along? Are you kind of, do you have to sort of 
do mental crisscrosses kind of between the two, speaking a bunch of different languages in your head as you're, as you're looking at technology in one area yep. you have to and kind of pivot to a, a different vaccine? Uh, yes. Yeah. So it really, that is, I just had that conversation today. It is very challenging to have to compartmentalize all the different processes. So yeah, from that manufacturing side, um, you have, um, vaccines that are, um, virus based, right? Like flu. Uh, we have vaccines that are bacterial based like meningitis. So those are made completely different. Our flu process involves incubating eggs, bringing those up, harvesting those, taking those and, and then extracting and concentrating and, and, and um, purifying that process. And, and then you have the, the bacterial where it's, it's it, you, you grow that up. It's a similar, I guess, idea, but the, the process, you're not in eggs, you're on, you're on a bacterial plate and you're, you're growing it that way with a media and that, that goes up into a bioreactor. And so you're going through there. Um, so then that's how you bring that through. Um, yeah. On a daily basis, I work with, that's one, uh, four bacterials, uh, two virals. One of them is a live virus, which is kind of exciting because you can't mess around with that because it'll, 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 it, yeah, it could, you could get infected. A lot of the viruses that we work with are, um, are not live, right? Which is great. They're inactivated is what they call it. So part of the processing, they are at one point, I guess, as it grows, but they are immediately um, inactivated uh, with chemicals. Um, to to keep the people safe, right? So then, then and you're working on it, and then then you centrifuge it, and that'll crack it, and completely destroys the the virus itself. But it keeps the the shapes, um, and those shapes are what your body needs to see. And among those many different products that my uncle is responsible for working on, is Sanofi's COVID nineteen vaccine. So we have a, a few different things there, and then COVID is, of course is we are actively learning about that. Um, one of the challenges with the COVID is that uh, the requests are coming so fast and furious that we are, it usually takes years to do, to develop a, a virus, right? So, or a vaccine, I'm sorry. Uh, and so to do that um, without that time, we are taking our best guess. Now we have been fortunate that, that the company we you know, that we're working with, um, we make what we just brought out and released last year, what's called flu block which is the flu vaccine, uh, but not from uh, the not from the eggs. So they're, they're doing it in more in a lab, like a test tube type of deal. So it's, it's kind of neat. It's a, it's, a, it's a different perspective. We see the, the world is going that way. You can get away from the eggs. So anyone allergic with egg allergies, then they, they, don't, they, they can get this flu block vaccine. Uh, so what we found a way was with the, our COVID vir- virus, we found that you, we, we have a way to swap that COVID virus out or into the, the, the flu block vaccine. So we, we swap out the flu for the COVID. And it, so it's, it's really matching up really nice. So uh, very excited about that technology, our guys. And then that's, the, that's more of the upstream guys, right? They'll go and do that. And then they send it to us um, to, to formulate and fill it. So they'll give us a concentrated batch of that. And, and then we, we take that and we'll dilute it with a buffer to, to keep the, the material at a, at a stable pH so that it doesn't sting going in your arm. Yes. And then, uh, and then, and then we fill it into the syringes. So that, that that's the process of when we talk about manufacturing. That's, that's the, uh, the, 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 the manufacturing step that we Here, he's providing an example from the teams at Sanofi in reaching a manufacturing breakthrough by adapting their existing resources from, in this case, the company's flu vaccine. Another challenge comes with upscaling as production levels for the COVID vaccine will eventually occur on a staggering scale. John explained during the interview how, for example, 
whose team will have to experiment with incubation time and temperature in entirely new ways as they develop products in quantities of tens of thousands of liters. At this point, we jumped ahead to policy changes the company has considered and how to address production efficiency without compromising on safety. Again, the only way that we were going to meet this, uh, the, like, so we started our clinical trials, so phase one, so that's good. Uh, it was at the start of September. Uh, we had our, our, the first trial starting. In order to do that, when you lined up, so it's development, uh, it's, it's a qualification, then a validation, right? These three steps, and then a, a media simulation to make sure that all these processes are, are being followed. To do all of that in the time frame from March, March, April, May, June, July. So we had five months to do these steps. Um, that's not a lot of time like, to, to do this. You know, normally it's a, a, a nine month situation, a, a year, you know, a year is pretty, pretty standard uh, to do all this. We were cutting it in half and then even a little bit less. Um, we realized that, or oh, we've, we've got the agreement that, all right, instead of waiting for that final report to be written and approved, that quality group is going to sit there and look at that data pack with us, look at all the data, go through it with the person who did the actual execution of the testing mm -hmm. and give their approval there. Right. So they were signing off on this book, this, this packet and says, all right, you still need to write a report, but we're going to go to the next step. We're going to go to that qualification without waiting to do the paperwork, to do that, that write up of the paperwork. Right. So, so we're not, we're not cutting any corners. We're just allowing the process to continue. Right. Like, like so right. We, we looked at the data, the data is not going to change, but that report, that formal piece now is being allowed to be done while the next step is happening. Right. So, so we've changed our policy. So that, that's a, that you would like, if you would ask the quality group in a, like a year ago, would you ever let them go from development into qualification without a report? It's a heck no, I need that report to be done. I need my stamp on that. And that's it. So, so uh, we, we, our site has learned to adapt and, and we've changed uh, for speed. And I think it, it, it's, and we haven't given anything up. I feel like that way we haven't increased risk, right? It's, right. It's, this is the distinction that John hopes people will understand about his company as they engage with the accelerated vaccine process. Nothing is eliminated, but the way they're doing things is changing. While the old way might be more controlled, his team is better organized to develop a safe product faster by writing and approving the clinical testing reports while simultaneously allowing the process to continue. If a concern arose anywhere along the line, the process would be halted as usual. Innovation on this scale is something that John hadn't previously imagined, but in wrapping up our conversation, he acknowledged how he now sees it as essential for companies like his own to improve. Yeah, okay, so, so I think that, yeah, the only way for businesses all businesses today and in, in this world today with, with COVID, um, the only way that businesses are going to be able to adapt is that they're going to have to change, right? And they're going to have to change their policies to meet up with what the, the, the demands are. And the only way that we're able to change those policies are because the science and technology has improved over the years. So I think that if we had never, if we've never struggled to, to try to push, to change, to introduce new things, to try to find better ways, then this would be, it would be impossible to adapt. And, and so I think that they just, as a, as a big picture, as humanity goes, uh, I think that, yeah, they, the, the, that drive for, for knowledge, that, that understanding and, and drive in quest for improvement is absolutely essential for, for successful businesses. Don't just get stagnant. Don't just be happy with status quo, always to continue to, to go out there so that you have the latest and greatest that's reliable and secure. So that when issues come up, you can adjust your policy to be more flexible and, and, and meet the demands. Save the world.
<laughs> All right. Well, I will. I'm gonna leave. That was a good one. That was that was really pretty good. <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. A perfect conclusion. All right. A tremendous thank you to my uncle John Dorsey, drug product process engineer at Sanofi Pasteur, for taking the time to speak with me for our discussion. I've been Mike Orlando for the Supply and Demand podcast. Thanks to you for listening. Thank you.